Hello everyone and uh, welcome to the Lisa Burke Show. Great to have you with us if you're watching on RTL Play. Wonderful to have you with us if you're listening on Today Radio or finding us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Whichever method you're, you're hearing or watching us, it's just wonderful to have this audience, which is mainly Luxembourg-based, but we have quite a number of listeners and watchers outside of our borders of Luxembourg as well. So full house, as often is the case. Sasha, welcome back. You're back with us this week. Hello, Lisa. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? All good. All well. Looking forward to a long, sunny weekend, I think. <gasps> I it's a holiday so. weekend here, as in many, many countries. And uh, yeah, there's lots, lots of things organised. Wine tasting and sunshine. And we will, sounds great. we will get to more things on offer in the upcoming summer weeks because we also have Carlo Hein, who is from Ramborn Cider. Isabel Till is going to talk about uh, an upcoming yoga conference. And we also have two students with us who, one of which has been on the show before, Vicky Coster, at CISV. That's what we're going to talk about. And also Luisa Garda. So welcome to everybody here. Hello. <laughs> Sasha, as always, we're going to start with a little reflection of the news. And we had the very sad news that Tina Turner died. Yes, I mean, this was a really big story this, this week, as we're mainly a uh, music station, uh, apart, apart from this, I mean, a few shows like the sports show and your show. Um, this was for us a, a really big story. Um, so she, it was announced that she died yesterday um, at the age of 83 after a long illness in Switzerland. And um, yeah, it just reminds everybody she was just an amazing performer. I mean, tributes came in from all over the world and she was fantastic. I mean, there was a video of her performing in Luxembourg in 1996. Um, quite sweet. So there was quite a, a very young Grand Duke actually in the audience. Um, and, you know, you watching it, you, you do remember, uh, you know, she was fantastic. Um, and she wasn't that young in 1996 either. She really started no. her own solo career in her 40s which gives us all hope <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah but she I think she you know she had guts and talent that's uh, so I saw her as as well as I see young student actually you um, saw her. That's amazing, so I, and I found that very aging because I looked I kind of thought well, when was it I saw Tina Turner and I was like Ooh, 87 <laughs> and, and was she great oh, it was fantastic it was yeah. in Munich and uh, yeah because she she really sort of belts out all the hits that you wanted and, uh, and I, yeah. rem I remember it I remember th being so impressed yeah she seems to just radiate energy just like in waves you can almost feel it through through the television when you watch something but the other part of anybody passing is you learn about their life in more detail and even though yes. I was aware of the abuse uh, Ike Turner yeah. uh, imposed upon her and she was subjected to for many many years 15 or 16 years you read about it again and you realise she is extraordinary to have walked away alive for to a start. Have, yes, exactly. To have walked away and then made the second incredibly successful solo career. Yeah. It's quite yeah. amazing. So not only is she a role model for musicians and, and women, but she's also a role model for those who have suffered domestic abuse. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a different story entirely. G7, Japan. 
Yes, so the uh, annual G7 meeting took place in Hiroshima last weekend and usually those G7 meetings kind of pass, nothing, you know, there's a lot of discussion, nothing great comes out of it. Um, But, of course, you know, star of the show was President Zelensky. So um, it was a will he, won't he go and uh, no one, nothing was announced and then suddenly the Japanese uh, TV stations apparently went live with him coming down uh, the plane, which was lent to him by... President Macron and uh, he did come and then totally dominated the summit and the news agendas um, coming out of there and he came after the US promised finally these F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine Uh, so after this big announcement um, he he went there and you know they've made there were a lot of press conferences and a lot of one-to-one conversations and a general sort of unified front against Russia again. I I know this is incredibly serious, but when I look at the photos, um, you can't help but feel his power through his stance. He has a very strong stance. And I don't think he's a tall man. No, he's not. And yet even the sort of world's leaders seem to be a little bit in awe of him when they meet him, don't they? I think so. Another global story, other side of the world, Mexico, volcano. That's uh, really quite shocking, in fact. Well, it's kind of rumbling away. It's these small explosions and letting out massive um, sort of gusts of dust and ash at the moment. Um, But it's 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 a scary volcano. It's a very difficult one to pronounce. Yeah, good Uh, luck with this one. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, there's been quite a lot of news reports on television laughing about how no one can pronounce it. So I'll give it a go. It's Popocatépetl, I think, something like that. (laughs) Can anybody pronounce it here? Any Spanish speakers here? (laughs) Um, Well, it's actually, it's not even a Spanish, it means smoking hill in in Aztec. Oh, oh, sorry. So so, um, that's why I think it's particularly difficult to pronounce for everybody. Um, But it's a a very, very active volcano, but it hasn't had a big explosion for over a thousand years. Which is why it's so worrying. So worrying. And it's had the, the, you know, it's only been active since 1994. So I think, uh, you know, there's... They, the emergency services are are ready. Apparently, for, yeah. they are evacuating people. The air, Mexico City airport has been open and closed. You know, there's no school, um, and everybody's just sort of waiting. Maybe these will just be little rumblings, and they'll go back down. <laughs> these little explosions inside the volcano. But uh, yeah, there are fears that this these this things are incredibly hard to plan for. Well, it's amazing all this research into volcanoes, and yet. They can't predict exactly what what happens in active volcanoes no, when the big w- one comes. The spread is so wide. Uh, uh, the land underneath and the the trembles and what's going on underneath is is it, it crosses countries. <laughs> it's really yeah. hard. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Another huge story, of course, are the Turkey elections. I've been following this a little bit too. Yes. Yeah, so so obviously this this Sunday is, yeah. uh, is the big runoff between President Erdogan, who has been in power for over twenty years, and a sort of united opposition. And it's been very interesting because the opposition for the first time um, have taken in, for example, also Kurdish parties. Um, But Erdogan is the favourite to win this runoff. And, um, you know, obviously there it's it's geopolitically very important. Uh, You know, Russia is obviously watching it very closely, as is the West. Um, So, yes, let's let's wait and see. Yeah, and of course, uh, this show will go out on Tuesday after we have the result as well. Yeah. So we don't know, but I know that, of course, Erdogan has hold of uh, most of the media outlets in one way or another. So, uh, yes, yeah. yes. One of the things the opposition actually are promising is that should they come into power, that 
the media will be free again. Um, so and the presidential term limited to five years. So it would rather from our 25. perspective be a little bit more democratic and to have a free press is quite important isn't it we think so yes can film festival we've been watching the outfits we've been watching what's been going on have you on. been watching a little it bit, yes, yes yes i do try to keep across all these things <laughs> so again this concludes this weekend um and the pandor will be given out on on sunday um and as always you know the can film festival always surprises me that it manages to sort of court controversy yeah so obviously the opening film was a, a french film called jean du barry about uh, a mistress of of one of the french kings played by Johnny Depp and it's his big comeback film after all the controversy around him and the trial with Amber Heard and yeah talking about domestic abuse there you go um, and he gave a very strange press conference I don't know if you watched it I didn't bit. see that I just it was quite weird um, I mean I suppose because the world's press is is just focused on on him so maybe he found it difficult I don't know apparently the film is fantastic uh, so that's had very good reviews then of course we've got um, Harrison Ford and the the Indiana Jones franchise he says it's his last one he's been de-aged digitally um, so <laughs> So, uh, you know, this apparently is good good fun. It's had quite mixed reviews, actually. Mm. Um, But one of the favourites to win is uh, this film, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is uh, Martin Scorsese's three and a half hour epic. I I hope there's a a bathroom break in the middle. (laughs) I'm not sure I could sit through a three and a half hour film. I find it hard enough if they're one and a half hours. (laughs) I think it's quite long. I mean, the critics I read it did say it's about an hour too long. But, you know, uh, it's it's a very interesting film uh, about uh, Native American Indians yeah. and the, the um, terrible things that happened to, to them. Um, it's an all-star cast. So, yeah. yeah, watch this space. And the other one that I, I thought was interesting um, was uh, based on Martin Amos's book, who also died this week, a very famous Yes, writer, the uh, Zone of Interest. Yes, so that's a, a film about Auschwitz written... Um, sort of showing the normality of the of a family living just outside the camp mm. um and the sort of yes the brutality the, the sort of normality of evil it's it's yeah apparently very good yes. yeah very interesting yeah. as well bringing it back to luxembourg now this is something that i really want to do we have a herbal walk in kirschberg in kirschberg no less yes not in some distant woods <laughs> but uh, yes herbal wards uh, well, herbal walk and showing the sort of medicinal properties of plants in and around kirschberg and it starts in that park near the cock where they have done a lot of planting of of medicinal plants and a herbalist trained herbalist to tell you what you can use you know for what so i thought that sounded really fun I know you want to do this. Yes. I would love to do this. Oh, we should do it together, we should do it together. shouldn't we? Yeah. Because, you know, apart from sort of, you know, lavender to help you sleep or chamomile or those things, I'd love to know about other things that grow here in Luxembourg that you I'm could so use. interested in this. And uh, something that brought about, I, I visited the Physic Garden in uh, Chelsea in London once, which is amazing. It's all about this. And the book Hamnet by Maggie Farrell, that brings it all back as well, that years ago, women particularly used to be the herbalists in the family. And because we didn't have doctors or medicine in the same way, we would grow our own medicines. And of course, so much medicine comes from trees or plants and when I visited Sri Lanka as well I went around a place where we learned so much about the the nature there and how they use it in so I'm I'm truly fascinated let's book ourselves in I think it'd be great we will do that I suppose we have to mention the election campaigns which are underway now we see the posters everywhere 
Yes, I mean, the date is getting closer. So now we're in official uh, electioneering for the for the local elections on the 11th of June. As you say, the posters have gone up everywhere. Every party is doing an, an interview here on RTL. Um, so, you know, we've had the um, Lidi Polfer, the, the city mayor, talking about how she wants Luxembourg City to become even more beautiful and uh, and and easier to buy housing very important and I know that a subject close to your heart um, <laughs> then we've also had the Green Party talking more about sort of um, you know is the way to school is your way to school safe you know do you feel safe when you cycle um, to to work that that more those sort of yeah. green issues uh, we've got the uh, Christian Social People's Party so with the chairman Claude Wieseler who said that the only thing that differentiates actually the Conservatives from the other parties is is um, how they interpret issues and and actually put them into action so, yeah he had this... so I thought that was interesting that there wasn't like a completely alternative program. Yeah, the- I love the phrase uh, to create consensus. Yeah, that was the phrase that stood out from Claude Wieser for me. Um, that it's not the choice, but the solutions, the way in which they approach the solution. Yes, absolutely. Consensus. So to offer an alternative to the yeah. current, um, you know, coalition. So mm-hmm. it's be, it's going to be an interesting time, I think, the next few months. Yes, and one in five fo- foreigners, us, I suppose. Well, m- me. Yes. <laughs> are registered to vote. Yes, so that is an increase. I mean, it still doesn't sound very much, but apparently it is a massive increase um, that, that you know, nearly 20% of foreigners have registered to vote. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, this will also really affect the way, you know, local politics is done. Um, the more foreigners that do vote, because issues, as we've often discussed, yeah. such as housing, are obviously on everybody's mind. Exactly. Uh, and now, I suppose we have to mention last weekend was Marathon Weekend. It was, wasn't it? It was. I didn't go this year, but uh, I, I have um, not not taken part, but <laughs> gone, gone to the side to cheer people on. So um, there were there were lots of uh, little stories about the marathon. I mean, in fact, a record was broken in the semi-marathon, uh, which was just over two hours. At, no, that's that's the main marathon. I two hours and thirteen minutes by a Kenyan runner, times. which is quite something. But um, Jonas Kinde. Uh, ran the half marathon in one hour and seven minutes and 57 seconds, which oh is gosh. a record. So I thought that was amazing. And, uh, you know, obviously more runners took part, especially after the after COVID, you know, the, the two years were cancelled. Mm. So and but the saddest story, I think, is that yes. some of the medals were stolen. That's a crazy story. Yeah, um, I can't believe that story. So the, the, for people who don't know, the Luxembourg Marathon takes place at night and it ends inside the Lux Expo. So you run in and then you get get your medal and um, the organisers have realised that 300 medals had gone missing and 100 runners didn't didn't get their medal. I'm sure the organisers will, will kind of have more medals made or something. But you would be really disappointed if you've run a whole marathon and then you don't even get a medal, I have to say. I, it's I can't, pretty low to steal them. I just don't understand why would anybody steal marathon medals? What would you do with them? What would you do with them, exactly? I, Pretend? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who would it's you give them to? I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The point is the preparation and doing it. Anyway, final story, something that I care deeply about. And in fact, uh, next week, I will have the Cancer Foundation talking about this because they have uh, they're going to work on a project to tackle this, which is smoking, smoking in Luxembourg. Right, well, Luxembourg 
rates very poorly on, on the whole smoking issue compared to other countries. I mean, as we know, cigarettes are cheaper here than in our neighbouring countries. And in fact, a lot of people come specifically to buy petrol and fags. Um, but uh, so the Minister of Health, Paulette Leonard, has agreed that Luxembourg is definitely not living up to its ambitions of tackling the smoking issue. Um, and in order to reduce it, um, and I shouldn't laugh, but they've put a packet of cigarettes up by 20 cents, which you're like, well... That won't uh, affect anybody. In England, it's nearly £20. I mean, that, yeah. that stops people, but I don't think 20 cents is going to make a big difference. Yeah. But they're also looking at this idea of doing plain packaging, uh, also stop smoking campaigns, etc. But, uh, yeah, compared to other countries, it seems to me, as, a, as an outsider, that uh, maybe you need... To, you need stronger to measures. stronger measures to actually <laughs> stop people smoking. Yeah. Equally, though, you know, you there was a story this week about um, vaping, and you know this was kind of offered as a sort of healthier alternative, but of course it's been the take up in teenagers is massive with, and they're finding these lo- strong levels of lead in in vapes. So you know that's another sort of health crisis. You feel. Uh, Maybe more research needs to go into, but that could be still coming. Well, I I will tackle smoking. Yes, Yes, I will tackle this next week. Uh, Thank you, Sasha, as as always. always. And after this short break, we'll talk with Isabel Till. Lisa Burke on RTL Today Radio. Now, for those who've lived in Luxembourg a number of years, most people will know the beautiful Isabel Till, who is, of course, a yoga teacher extraordinaire, set up Exhale Yoga and is going to organise the first yoga conference that Luxembourg has ever seen. And besides all of that, you were also involved with the marathon. You did all of the music for the marathon and Moonwalk as well. Isabel, so great to have you back in Luxembourg and here in the studio. Well, thank you so much for having me. I was so looking forward to seeing you after all this time. And yes, I'm back. It was not really planned because I lived in Cape Town for four years, then moved to Paris. And due to COVID, I came back. And I must say, I'm really happy to be back and uh, with more experience. So uh, I think to do things better due to the move uh, in Cape Town that really taught me a lot and yeah and now I realize more dreams amongst others the yoga conference. Yeah and you're going to bring this conference for the first time to Luxembourg but just starting back on your yoga journey you've been doing yoga most of your life but how did it start for you because you you really trained back in India in a time when it was not as popular as it is nowadays. Yes and I think that uh, well, I feel really lucky that I um, started my teacher trainings in a time which was more innocent. There was no Instagram. We didn't have internet in the ashram. So we got up in the night to do a silent walk. It was really magic. And it still is. I mean, you can still have this kind of experiences because I also did a Vipassana retreat in South Africa. So you can get back the same kind of um, uh innocence where you really focus inwards and you're completely detached of you know you just do the work and you don't want to send an image or impress someone and that's really something I always want to go back to but in in the world we live now we have to function with uh, images with Instagram which is not all bad and uh, 
Yeah, it's so that uh, it's a long time ago. And yesterday during my class, I said to people, yeah, yoga keeps you young. And they looked at me like, and then I thought, oh, I, I'm a bit vain, but I am not. So I said, well, I'm 100 years old. So <laughs> I never tell people when I did my yoga teacher training because it's really a long time ago. And yeah, so it's well, you look incredible. Long, long, long <laughs> way to where I'm. I'm now, and um, yeah, so I wanted to pay tribute to all the teachers I met on the way because that's the ones who made me the way I teach. It's not me, but it's like an interpretation of everything I I learned from them. And I started to invite the most important. Some didn't have time, so I have still a long list to add more conferences, hopefully. Yeah. But for now, I have like a small, well, small, uh, yeah, I have like a, like a f yoga family that always supported me, inspired me. And that's hopefully what they also do when they visit Luxembourg for the yoga conference. And when will the yoga conference be? Uh, from the 15th to the 17th of September this year. And it's not only yoga, but everything that touches well-being that can be, and even in music, because uh, since I also organized the music around the marathon so I'm very much into music because I also believe that music can heal and uh, in yoga you you have kirtans you sing mantras and the power of the vibration of music or or, or singing bowls uh, that's also something I believe in vegan food of course there will be workshops about uh, food lectures because it would be very exhausting if people had to do five intense uh, dynamic yoga classes in one day uh, so there's always a little bit of something like um, Wim Hof uh, ice bath and you met uh, Georgia and I did. a couple <laughs> I did. of uh, months ago so everything that and can increase your well-being and also make you live your full potential. So that's what I believe yoga is. It um, It's um, a healing uh, practice and the moment you heal, you come into your full, full potential, like living from your, uh, from your, how can I say, uh, yeah, living without fear, without, um, yeah, from your instinct as well. Which so, you have done, in fact, because thinking about you as a younger person, you were a model, no surprises there, you're absolutely stunning. That's quite a long time ago. Yes, so yes, that, but you... That's what's not really the choice. It just happened because I was stupid enough to leave school. So I did lots of stupid things in my life. Maybe my instinct uh, told me to, but sometimes... It was not the wisest uh, but do you way think, to Do you think choose. yoga has helped you fine-tune your instinct? Uh, absolutely. Um, yes, that's something I would never give up. And uh, yeah, and it saved my life many times. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And for people who want to get into yoga, how can people start? What do you advise them? Because I know how flexible you are. I've seen it. Yeah. Most people are well, maybe a fifth as flexible as you. <laughs> yeah, but it's not 
It's not how it looks, how the physical shape um, looks. It's how you feel, you know, feel the pose. Often I, during the class, when people try to look around or if there are mirrors in, in gyms, they look into mirrors. It's an internal journey. I always tell them, close your eyes. How does it feel? That's important. Uh, it's not uh, the shape. I had one... Well, one of my very important teachers, Cameron Shane, he's the founder of Budokon. He said, you can do a handstand on one hand and still be a prick. So that's his way to, yeah, that's, who cares? That's really not the important part of yoga. It's the, the depth that you find, the commitment, and also to bring yoga from your mat to, to your world because you can sing mantras on on your mat and then act yeah like a, a stupid person in real life you also have to uh, to live follow the, the eight limbs of yoga so which you can also in part find in religion so simply the basic rules that a society or education is built on and mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And when you were you were in South Africa, then yeah, COVID, Paris, and then back yeah. to Luxembourg. So you were away and you returned to Luxembourg. How was it for you returning to Luxembourg? Yeah, it felt uh, very strange because I felt like a tourist and uh, lots of change, lots uh, changed in a good way. And I absolutely missed culture, uh, concerts, exhibitions and all that. But I also felt home in Paris when I came back came back even though I'm not French but since Luxembourgers speak French German and you know like we feel home everywhere in Europe more or less not everywhere but like France felt like home as well yes so um, and I got a lot of support I built up a new uh, yoga community and yes so it's really nice to be back and of course now I can see uh, how lucky we are uh, being born in Luxembourg. It might not be that exotic, but um, people in South Africa, they struggle so much more to, yeah, to even survive, mm -hmm. not even realizing their dreams, but simply surviving. So uh, and they are super resilient. So that's a big lesson I I you learned. I know uh, people in South Africa, they are very resilient and they don't, co I mean, they don't complain as Europeans would. They, they look for solutions because they have no other choice. People here are more like on the side of complaining and complaining. But then again, that's um, not... But you continue to work with charities in South Africa and give back to them. And you will be doing so, I believe, with yes. the yoga conference as well. Yes, yes. So every for every um, booking, we donate uh, five euros to Unity Foundation. I was working with Unity Foundation for many, many years, even before I left, because I trust that the money uh, I know and trust that the money is in good hands and that um, things will be done, schools built mostly in many parts of the world, not only Africa, but, uh, but at Asian countries too. Mm -hmm. And how has teaching yoga changed because of COVID? A lot of it went online through COVID. Has it affected yeah. the income of yoga teachers? Absolutely. So most of the yoga teachers, they work uh, so, so hard. 
because they add more classes. The classes are not as full. And yeah, it's really uh, tough. There are more private um, private clients who who want to have uh, classes in small groups with friends or simply uh, alone, one-on-one. That's changed. And it's also an, uh, a work where you see that you are important to that person and you 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 walk you know like you follow up on their progress and all that so that's nice but generally it's really it's really tough so we have to apply all the rules we know staying zen and not you know getting enough sleep and not freaking out (laughs) it's it's still a bit intense and i think yeah so it's uh, a bit still difficult, let's say. Well, that's an important point to underline because I imagine you would think that uh, a group yoga class practice feels quite different to doing it alone at home. Yes, and uh, it's uh, now I started again to do partner work during the classes and people have so much fun. And like two years ago or one and a half year ago, everyone was yeah really taking distance and uh, and people need other people uh, to to touch them to to feel the you know to sweat together. It's uh, it um, how can I say it's uh, everybody's uplifting the other person. So that's really nice and. Of course, if you don't have any other options, it's nice to do your online class. So there's nothing. But I always, I was always a bit afraid for the safety because often when you watch the screen, people have their mat next to a glass table or, you know, (laughs) stuff. And then I'm like, you're not going into a headstand when you have, you, you know, a table next to you, you can fall in. But if you teach online, you don't see and it's it's really a, uh, I think it's a problem. You cannot do as much uh, uh, than in the studio because it's simply not safe yeah. when you teach online. But yeah. it can be fun. So at the beginning, when I lived in Paris, it was super exciting because I had people from South Africa, from everywhere in the world in the class, and I was sitting in a small apartment in Paris. So that was fun. But after that, you just want to go back to reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And meet people and, and grow a community, a yes, community exactly. again. Yes. For those who are not as au fait with yoga as you are, can you just talk us through a few different types because there's so many different types of yoga and and give us a couple of lines about each because people might wonder where do I begin when they look at a yoga class list they think I don't even know what this means. Yes so uh, my first uh, love was Ashtanga yoga which is a very um, dynamic and really rigorous rigorous and tough yoga practice you practice the same sequence every day preferably like at six seven in the morning and um, every time you manage a a pose you can add a new pose it it's it seems like boring to do the same every day but it isn't because you can measure uh, you know where you are at in your life and it's also super um, challenging so you really work hard it's traditional there's no music it's uh, 
it's really something I still uh, love, but that's not for everyone because it needs a lot of dedication. And then in, I also teach Jivamukti Yoga, which is um, a yoga style created in uh, New York by Sharon and David, David Live, Sharon Gannon. And they were one of the first to practice with music because most of the teachers are also artists. So it, and that was like the second kind of um, love because it really it's 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 softer it's open it yeah it's more fun let's say and uh, but still very much rooted in the traditional um, yoga but mod modernized so uh, that's still dynamic and then you have yin yoga where you stay very long in poses you don't really sweat it's uh, more restorative yeah so that's another kind of yoga style which i'm completely useless so i'm not uh, good at uh, <laughs> staying, staying still <laughs> still and uh, but in times like now where people seem to be overwhelmed by you know after covid still and maybe struggling or simply having this fear because of wars and stuff happening in the world. So I think uh, people, uh, well, I, I see that people love to come in, just lie down when we have yoga classes, uh, yin yoga classes at the studio, yin yoga candlelight mostly. It looks like a, bi a big sleepover. <laughs> uh, there are pillows everywhere, the candles, people uh, relax. And uh, yeah, that's what people need. And we will add um, the singing bowl uh, therapy. That's the same. People just lie down. They don't have to do anything. And I think that's what people need I think like this. you should bring that into schools. I'm looking at our students in, in the room here and I'm thinking my own daughters and I'm thinking when you mentioned the word sleepover, what a wonderful idea to to really teach young people how to cope with stresses because I, I think it's very, well, not needed just by young people, needed by us all, but I think mm -hmm. it's a skill that is not always taught in schools and it will be so valuable. Yes, yeah, yeah. and even not in society because... Uh, if you are not productive, you are not, uh, I mean, useful. Yes, <laughs> people have bad conscience and like Vipassana retreats where you don't speak. It seems like, uh, you know, why are you even doing something like that? But it's the most powerful tool that you have if you are really strong inside that something no one can take away from you. And the willpower and simply to find the peace within and um, yeah, to sit in, in silence for hours and you also sharpen your senses because although you don't talk to people, you can feel very close to people because you kind of uh, discover different antennas. And um, yeah, so it's, um, it's interesting because even uh, one, one night I took an apple to my room because there's also not much food during Vipassana retreat. It's the withdrawal of senses. So what are you able to withdraw? And it's very, very interesting. And then I like, I ate an apple because I was so hungry and it, it felt as I would wake up the entire uh, camp because the senses are so sharp that even that noise, it's, it's like it 
feels really loud. So it's interesting to make all those experiences. It sounds yeah. absolutely fascinating. I don't know if there's many people in the modern world who could extract themselves from a mobile phone for even 30 minutes sometimes, it feels like. But as you yeah. describe that, I think of my dog and I think of the senses that she has and the awareness she has. Uh, and I, I often look at her and think she can feel and see and smell things that I, I have really no idea that oh, they yes. are present. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it, it, it sharpens our animalistic instincts yeah. inside us. So. Yeah, but also the movements, like for example in Budokon, uh, it's uh, going back to the movements that you, you initially, that we did when we went hunting. And we often... Uh, walked like monkeys and stuff, which f I, I often had the impression if someone from my family, you know, the voices of your parents you have in your head, if they would see me uh, uh, dancing around the fire in South Africa during a drum circle or, um, you know, doing those exercises, walking like a monkey in a space, you know, it, it would, yeah, it would be like ridiculous but it's it's so much fun to discover and also to know that your body is actually the vehicle it's not it's part of you often people are so detached from their bodies they are so much in their head and you know like for example uh, you are only as old as your spine is flexible and uh, and when you do all those moves you get back to this uh, like what we are initially designed for to move and to really use our body. That is so interesting. Yeah. You're only as old as your spine is flexible. Well, that makes such sense because all of our yeah. neurons run up and down yes, our spine yes, as well. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Isabel, thank you so yeah. much. And I know we're going to talk again right. because we're going to be uh, excited to host this uh, first conference for yoga yeah. in Luxembourg. Welcome yeah. back to Luxembourg. Thank and you so, so much. Thank you for everything you do for Luxembourg. Oh, you know, I, <laughs> it's yeah. great I'm, to have you, you here. <laughs> and after this break, we're going to talk about cider. The Lisa Burke Show. Now, next to me, I have Carlo Hein, who is the founder and president of the board for Ramborn Cider, very active in the Luxembourg sustainable construction sector as well and renewable energy. And in fact, the family portfolio is, is vast and you've brought a lot of green energy techniques to Luxembourg as well. So we, we might have a little word about that. First of all, I think you brought the first solar and wind power to Luxembourg. Yes, that was in the 90s where we d discovered this part and um, it made quite an impression on what we do afterwards because as soon as you uh, discover the value of uh, one kilowatt hour, how much work it is to produce it clean, then you take care about uh, using the other energy much wiser because uh, it's waste what we are doing for the moment. Uh, we have so valuable resources in our in our planet and we are wasting them away and yeah. um, you learn that by doing projects like that. So your family were very insightful and very forward thinking when they they started that but we're really here to talk about World Cider Day. Yes. <laughs> but before we do, it's coming up on June 3rd I might add, we need to talk about Ramborn Cider and the, the foundation of that because I have visited the, the Cider Half and I have been around the orchards and I remember somebody telling me that they went back to Somerset because there used to be a very strong tradition of cider making in Luxembourg, lots of orchards but they went to Somerset 
said in the UK where there's a very strong tradition of cider making to find out the processes once more because they were lost. The art of cider making was lost in Luxembourg. Yeah, we heard just before that it's a journey, uh, what you are doing. I, I was raised in a small village called Born, and there were orchards all around. And uh, I have a marvelous childhood going with the sledge in wintertime through the orchards down the hill. And it's a marvelous countryside. And, um, but you are not aware about what's, what, what, what these trees and these apples, this fruit is about. And um, after making all these businesses coming, and I did that when I was young with friends, so with friends, we discovered cider. Uh, some <laughs> Making ten it or ago. drinking it? Oh, drinking it first. <laughs> and then we get curious about what can we do with the resources we have in our village. And uh, then we visit, of course, the UK because they know how to do a very good cider. And then we discovered the value of the food which we have all about. Very old varieties of apples, 150 varieties of apples. So you can taste quite a lot and experience uh, the different tastes, um, the shapes, the skin. Uh, when we are talking about senses, um, going in orchards like that, they are somewhere in the in the countryside. It's so peaceful there. Maybe we need a yoga retreat in the cider. I was orchards. thinking about it. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it sounds wonderful. Maybe the day after the cider day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or maybe the day before. I think so. <laughs> And not only apples. Uh, just before you were on air, you were saying, I mean, I am, I'm aware of the pear, perry, um, uh, but also quince. Yes. The pear for myself is also ex extremely special because these trees get up to 400 years old. And uh, if we do not take care about these trees, there is mistletoe in it, which is a very valuable plant, but it destroys the apple or the, the pear tree. And uh, so you take fruit from a very old tree, and then you press it and you make a drink out of it, which is really extremely good because when we took it to some um, places to London or to, to the US for uh, a competition, we won prizes and we were so surprised because we say, how comes? Uh, now we found out it's a fruit, it's these trees um, which, which are making the difference. It's nature pure, pure nature. The taste, yeah. And uh, then we discovered the quince. Quince, all the farmers in Luxembourg are one or two quince trees in the garden and uh, but they were using that for making jam yeah uh, but they are anymore using it or very seldomly so you said take some in and we tried it and the juice is just crazy good and then we fermented it and it's really as an aperitif it's for me a category on its own it's really something very special it's your favorite I have many favorites. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the Ramborn cider story, it's a real success story of Luxembourg. It's, it's, a, it's also um, a B Corp. Uh, and maybe, uh, in fact, I know that CISV, who we'll talk about in a moment, uh, or some of the organizers are B leaders there too. What does B Corp mean? So you have to look, uh, for example, uh, an organic product. Uh, but that's just the product. You do not know the people which uh, are doing it. So uh, you gave the example, you can make fantastic yoga, but on the other side, you can be a very nasty person. Uh, it's the same with when you have a product, the company can handle that in a very bad way. So Bicop is more certifying the company, taking a look what is the company doing, how does he, they work with their employees, how do they do on the environment, how is their government, all that stuff is looked top down, and I think... Buying a product from a company which has a certification of, of B Corp, like Patagonia, for example, 
then you know, okay, it's uh, it's a much better view about what people are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I've I've spoken to to people who've spoken about what that means before, and it, it's it's wonderful, wonderful initiative. And I highly recommend any company to look into that, or or even as a person to become a leader within um, that that industry. Now, um, thinking about Cider Day, it's coming up, World Cider Day, no less, not just Luxembourg, on June third. What will you have on offer? So, why is a World Cider Day? It's uh, now in beginning of June, 3rd of June, look at the weather outside. It's beautiful, it's getting warm, it's getting time to go on the terrace to have with friends a, a good drink. And of course, we celebrate the coming of the nice weather with, with cider. <laughs> and that's why it was pleased at that moment. It's really a moment being together and having a drink outside. And uh, what we will have, and that's fun, um, we invited a DJ on Saturday. Um, and they are from Ashtanach. And um, they are combining natural sounds with music, with house music. And uh, they like to do also music outside uh, in, a, in a gentle way, uh, but in a very modern way. Uh, and they, do, they like cooking. They make cooking courses. They love to do cocktails. So, DJ. Yeah. So when you're looking <laughs> at it and say, OK, that's a perfect fit for us. Wow, that's that's quite the skill set, isn't it? Yes. DJ with nature and uh, food and cocktails. He, they've got everything covered there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but you've got a lot on offer as well f- for younger children. You yes. can have uh, inflatables, you're going to have activities. So you have been at the side of It's a kind of magic place where you feel like you are in holiday. Yeah. And when parents come with their children, they, f- they can't jump around. It's an, a place which is very calm, uh, and we have all these things in place and they can enjoy themselves. Often we see that they stay in a corner, parents come at two o'clock and at six o'clock the kids are still there <laughs> and they pick them up and it's, it's really nice to see they enjoy it a lot, also the kids. Of course. And um, for the adults, uh, along with fish and chips and burgers, <laughs> you're going to have um, some cider tastings, of course. Yes. <laughs> Our, um, I, I love to, to have cider with food. And you will discover for aperitif uh, ciders, we have, I think, over 15 different ciders. So you can taste all the different styles, all the different foods. We have uh, ice ciders, for example, which is perfectly well for a dessert wine. We have uh, ciders which were aged in rum and bourbon barrels, which you can have drink with a, a main course. We have marvelous quince and pear ciders for the aperitif. And then we have, of course, cider on tap, which sitting on the terrace is also perfectly well. So you can discover all this range and being close to these orchards, you get, you get, to, you get the sense of it. Yeah, yeah. I, and I have walked around those orchards and you can feel the age of the trees as well. They're really, really beautiful. In fact, you can watch the video on RTL. <laughs> it was a lovely video I did a few years before COVID, so it was a while ago, with the previous British ambassador. And, and, and it's because he was a runner and he ran around all the different parts of Luxembourg and this was one part he ran around. Um, you also are going to host the first Cider Pong tournament. Yes, that's uh, the young guys in Wembon who organised that. And I have read it and I was amazed. So in 2020, there are these young guys saying themselves, that's like a sport. And uh, so they put together an uh, associations for uh, Pong, Beer Pong Club, it's called. And we said, well, I think with cider that should be fine too. We will play it with water, of course, because uh, 
have to pay attention, but the prices will be side and you have, can also have a drink with it. I will be astonished to see how they are doing, how competitive they are, how skilled they are in playing that game. Are we, when you say beer pong or water pong or cider pong, are we talking about ping pong, the game? No, no, no. It's throwing a ball over a table into um, a glass. Okay. And uh, you need to get the, the ball into different glasses. Okay. That's, that's a skill you have to have. And it's played <laughs> by the young guys uh, since, yeah, some years. And it's really fun because it's very social. Yeah, I can see that, particularly <laughs> after five um, tasting sessions. <laughs> well, I think you're going to have quite a few people, especially if the weather continues to be as beautiful it is, as it is right now today. And I truly hope it will be on the 3rd of June. Um, and the village itself is just absolutely wonderful. Just on a logistical thing, parking. That's close to it. So uh, we are so lucky that the village is built as it built. So you find it 50 metres from us. It starts on Saturday at, uh, at noon. The Pong tournament will be at 2. Also, the music will start. And on Sunday, it's also from 12 to 6. So you can enjoy it and uh, come. It's, it's easy to find because when you're taking the highway from Luxembourg to Trier, it's the last exit and you are nearly there, five kilometers from there. Yeah. And uh, it's to discover because it's a place where you normally do not go, but it's so close. It's 30 minutes from Luxembourg town. And, and very, very beautiful, I must say. And then the day after, of course, you go and do a yoga class with Isabel. <laughs> well, would be the perfect fit. It would be the perfect fit. <laughs> after this break, we're going to talk to two students, one of whom was on the show not so long ago, and we're going to talk about CISV. The Lisa Burke Show. Well, welcome back, Vicky Coster. I know that you were on our show when we talked about Ermazinda, and we also have Luisa Guarda. Welcome to RTL. It's great to have you here. Just come a touch closer to the microphone. Uh, now, you're here because you both rec um, represent CISV. You joined Vicky in 2017. And it's about summer camps, but really amazing summer camps, international summer camps. So tell us a little bit about the history of CISV. What does it mean? Um, so CISV was founded by... <coughs> Sorry, and psychologist in um, America called Doris Allen, and she founded CISV after World War Two in the 1950s with the thought of not repeating our mistakes that we made with war. So she wanted to grow up also to um, build a community, build a community with active global citizen with active citizens. Sorry, I'm just... That's fine. <laughs> no worries. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you take a breath and Louisa can come in. Tell us a little bit, Louisa. Uh, yeah, so uh, she founded it after World War II to promote international relationships, specifically between young people, because, I mean, it's what they always say, young people are the future. So uh, the hope is to build global friendship, which is one of CISV's slogans. It's actually on the shirt I'm wearing today. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it's just to uh, reunite people from different parts of the world so that there's a cultural exchange and people understand each other better and there's more of a 
yeah, global friendship. <laughs> and it's really important to talk about this because I know that at the moment uh, people in Luxembourg are not so aware of this and you don't have as yes. many applicants at the moment. Yes. So previously to COVID, CISV Luxembourg, because it's an international organization, but you have chapters in every country. Uh, CISV Luxembourg was actually very large. We had a large amount of volunteers and participants. But uh, sadly, after COVID, we lost a lot of contact with those people or people like moved because we are an organization built on young people. A lot of people moved to go to university and so on. So we took a large hit after COVID and it's been hard to try and build ourselves back up to the level we were at previously. And language wise, I mean, we always have to ask this question, but is it multilingual, these camps? Uh, no, these camps are mainly based on English. So the international language is English. So at camp, we all speak English. Um, of course, there are a few people you connect with because you have the same language skills. So friendships often base of the language skills you have. If you in my camp, a lot of the French people were connected, German people were connected, and it's kind of that what makes it also language bonds. But internationally, it's ang- English. Yeah, but uh, that shouldn't like scare people because I know, especially for young people, sometimes we are. Uh, scared of our accents and we're shy about talking in English but it's uh, open to even people who have like a slightly lower ac- uh, English level and we always offer translations when available and it's really easy and in uh, Luxembourg for national camps if there's ever like we well in national camps we mostly speak Luxembourgish but we have for example some kids who are more comfortable in French so if they need an explanation in French we offer it in French if they need one in German we offer it in German just to make it as open to everyone as possible because that is the CISV spirit to be as inclusive as possible and what are the camps can you give us an example of some of the kinds of summer camps that you offer yes uh, so I have been to a village which is basically the introduction to CISV. It's for 11-year-olds and it's a four-week camp. And as I said, it's an introduction to CISV and a delega- it's a delegation of four with one adult to supervise the children. Also, what's a bit special about village is there is a junior counselor, which is sort of the bridge between the children and the adults. There are 16-year-olds, these junior counselors, and mainly at my camp these junior counselors were the coolest people at camp so you really look up to them and that's what the juniors counselors are for to where for the children to be more open to them instead of the adults or like to be the bridge yeah and you two have obviously been really taken in by CISV and you really love your experiences can you tell us about some of the happy times you've had there and why people should join um so actually I joined CISV in September 2019 which means uh when I was supposed to go to my summer camp which was actually going to be in Ecuador COVID was happening so I didn't get to go on my first camp I went to a national French one instead but I think what was really amazing for me is that CISV was the first place I really felt listened to and really heard and like I could just I just felt very welcomed and I remember uh, that after like many activities because we do activities which are centered around themes to educate people about specific issues. Uh, After one of those activities, somebody came up to me and was like, Louise, I'm so happy that you like said this. This was such an interesting point. I'm so grateful that you like said this. And I think having a space to really be heard to and appreciated when you're listened to was just so amazing for me. I felt so at home. And the bonds I made with those people, I still talk to those people regularly, even though they live in France and they're like 
very far away and I always see them like maybe once per year or so. So it's exactly what your t-shirt says. Yes, is- it does build global French. Actually, my uh, boyfriend who I met at my last uh, camp, which was this summer, lives in Mexico. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Perfect. So <boyfriend>. it's really <laughs> uh, very... <laughs> <laughs> it's a very very much global friendships and just global uh, love everywhere yeah that's that's so great that's so great and then how can people apply I mean if there are young people have they still time to apply if they want to go to a summer camp this year well actually recently there has opened up a space to go to a seminar camp which Louise can that's, better explain that's uh, what I did last year so a seminar camp is for uh, older participants so it's 16 to 17 and it's really about uh being independent because usually at camps you have staff which are the adults who supervise and make sure everything is running smoothly and they set the agenda they set the meal times they cook the food and at a seminar camp because it's about becoming independent and really taking charge of your own uh, care we made our own agenda which means we had to plan our own schedule we cooked for ourselves and we did everything obviously there are staff there to supervise and make sure everything is good but it's really about uh taking charge yourself and uh yeah, it was very important, I think, and really uh, a wonderful experience, very formative for me. Um, um, what are the other types of camps? You mentioned there are a different variety for different age groups, of course. Just talk us through a few of the other types. Yeah, so uh, after a village, you have the youth meet, which is for 12 and 13 year olds. And then you have a step up, which is for 14 and 15 year olds. I went to this year. And then you have a seminar camp, which Luisa just explained. So. And then you fly your wings, but you're also both national junior representatives, aren't you? So yes. you have a lot of uh, responsibility. So um, yeah. uh, we're uh, national junior representatives for the Luxembourg JB branch, which stands for junior branch, which is kind of like a subsection of CISV Luxembourg in total. And it's built by the actual uh, participants of CIC, so the young people, uh, which means it's like 15 to however old you want to stay. <laughs> we don't kick people out. <laughs> um, and it's really just about uh, taking action locally and uh, as often as possible. So, for example, we have a recurring project with um, another uh, club that raises uh, food for food banks in Luxembourg. So we just like do whatever we can. And JBs are also international, so there's different JBs. I, I'm friends with a lot of people in the French JB. Uh, and they do like their own projects and everything. So it's just about you come in all shapes and sizes and you just do what you can for where you live. So it's really cool. Well, I can't believe I didn't know about this before. So Vicky, thank you so much for writing and telling me about this and and asking to shine a spotlight on it because it sounds like something that should be embedded within school life. I've never heard of it before. It's not part of the website colonie.lu, which I think it possibly should be because I think that's what a lot of parents look at when they're trying to find activities for their children. And what a wonderful opportunity for young people to make friendships around the world. Uh, So any final thoughts, any messages to kind of send our listeners away thinking about what they might be able to do this summer? Oh, yeah. um, So as I mentioned, there is a recently has opened a slot to join a seminar camp. It is from the 22nd July to the 11th August. It's in Portugal, Santarém, and it's for 16 and 17 year olds. So if you want to apply, you can apply. And also our next mini weekend for children to kind of prepare for camps and know the routine of the daily routine of camp life. And CISV values just in general, just to kind of get into the spirit of CISV. Yeah. Um, And we have the next mini weekend is on June 10th and 11th. So we are still looking for children who want to might who might want to come.
11 years upwards. Yes. Yes. Well, to all of my guests today, thank you so much. It's been, it's a wonderful show with a lot of, lot of different uh, feedback from all sorts of sides. I'm going to think about cider, yoga and uh, CISV all together in the mix. And Sasha, as always, I wish you a lovely long weekend as well. I wish you all, all of you, a lovely long weekend. And thank you for joining us again today. RTL Original Podcast.